with us, Pastor Jeff Jenkins, and he's agreed to come back to this episode of the Off the Shelf podcast. Welcome, Pastor Jeff Jenkins. Hey, thank you, Rod. Glad to be with you. Jeff, we had a good discussion last podcast, and I I wanted to continue that. We're talking about how you were having to reposition uh, William Branham. How did that go? Well, from that point on, they actually, they actually, in their love for me, thought that I had uh, lapsed back into some sort of nervous breakdown or something. Uh, they did not, could not at that point uh, take me serious, but they took, but they did see my actions as a threat. So a threat to their existence, not so much as a body of uh, believing people, but keeping the saints together, uh, the church maybe splintering. And I had already told them that I would not, I had a choice. I could either stand up and declare that the message, uh, it, it, the message is actually, um, it's, it's caustic, it's not functional, and we need to reevaluate everything. It's going to be hard. But we have to rethink. And I I could have uh, split the church, we'll say, or I could have said, you know what? They have the same Holy Spirit I do. And it took me two years of investigation. So from the time that you and I talked, I waited two years before I finally um, basically told the church, this, these are my findings. They even let me go on a sabbatical. And they said, you know, take uh, several weeks off, pray, seek God, and then regroup with us. So I did that and only to become more convinced that, that we were out of balance. And so then when I presented it for the final time, I asked that I could at least speak to the church, uh, some sort of a farewell speech. I wasn't going to divide the church or split it. I wasn't going to use nuances or innuendos and try to convey some sort of secret hidden message. I was just simply going to say goodbye. Well, they were so uh, fearful of that. They said, we'll give you 10 minutes. So uh, initially they were going to give me the pulpit. Now it's ironic that a pastor for 30, 33 years and seven months would be stripped of all authority so rapidly, but it shows you that in reality, the pastor, my, my past, my pastorship and every message pastorship is based solely on William Branham and what brother Branham taught and what they believe William Branham taught according to scripture. And so the pastor at this point, then uh, he's non persona grata. And so at that point, then um, my position, my servitude, my life, my actions, my deeds, um, all are literally set aside. Everything I did for people, all the um, lives that, you know, were touched, saved, that were turned around, that all evaporates, evaporates, and you become instantaneously a threat to a movement. And to some degree, I understand that. So I was hyper radioactive. And so when I began to tell the people a goodbye, um, I began to weep. And even that was considered a threat, uh, or I don't think they would have known it as a ploy, but I was almost, in a sense, moved off the stage. And I, I remember I was going down to shake people's hands, and there was actually an individual behind me wanting to move me on, get me out of the sanctuary. And I, you know, that was to me, that was disturbing, but they were afraid of you, what you represented. Correct. And the many years of a life lived, uh, a life of devotion to them. 
um, you know, I was always a pastor. I could say that with all my heart. And they knew that. I was there for them. So there's not a one of them that could say, you know, he was never there for me unless, you know, they have their own personal problems. But I've tried my best to be a servant to the church. But I, I, I was I, I put it this way. It's kind of humorous. Jesus Christ and William Branham got me my job. And then Jesus Christ and William Branham got me fired. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's a good way to put it. Yeah. And I have to tell you this, too. I had a young man who uh, works for a group called Teens for Christ, and he lives next to the church there. And he would jog by, see my name and call me out and say, God, either expose this man or deliver him from this cult. And that was his own words. And he, later on, he invited me to his office. He said, Did you know, for 10 years, I jogged past your church and prayed for you to come out of this. I said, wow. I had no idea. Yeah. And so I thought that was ironic that because uh, I would have never, Rod, in my wildest dreams, ever thought to have left the message. I believed the message with every fiber of my being. In fact, I would say that anybody who walked away from the message was either arrogant or ignorant. So I became one of those uh, quintessential arrogant, ignorant people because I walked away. I mean, it's interesting about having this individual praying for you. When I first came to Party Change, my very first day, and I, I was looking yeah. for things where the Lord indicates that I'm on the right track. I was walking down the hallway to talk to the fellow who at the time was, was leading the organization. And as I was walking down the hallway, two men, it was this individual who at the time was the president of Party to change. And uh, a man I didn't recognize uh, came to me and he introduced himself, was introduced to me. And he said, Rod, do you know a man by the name of Peter Dyser? And Peter will, I'm sure, be coming onto the Off the Shelf podcast in the not too distant future. Good. But this individual said, Rod, do you know Peter Dyser? And I said, well, I know Peter well. He was a deacon at the church that I was at uh, when I came back to the Lord back in 1973. He said, well, mm -hmm. Peter and I have been praying for you for the last five years. And I didn't even know this man. <laughs> so, and, and here was the first day I showed up at, at Power to Change here in our office. And here's the Lord arranges this man to come and tell me that he'd been praying for me for five years, and I didn't even know him. Oh, my. <laughs> so, uh, so Jeff, it is common for people that are still in the message to, to say this of people that have left. They never really believe the message. Yeah. Which seems to me like a dumb statement, certainly to me, after I spent almost 40 years in the message. And honestly, I really did believe it. Oh, yeah. But I know that people have said this about, about me, and I've heard you said it. You really believe the message. Yeah. Oh, correct. You know, oh, I would have. I've said this over and over. I would die for the message. Um, I, I lost all my friends initially for the message, and then you know how it, the message uh, has always had splinter groups doctrinally, and so then those groups would s split away from something I considered that was a core truth in the message. So I would I would find myself separated from them. So the the the, the to say that I wasn't one hundred percent devoted and loyal to the message of William Branham, I, I would be lying to myself. I 100% believed. I think everybody in the church knows I did. They would probably have to come up with some reason as to perhaps justify my leaving. But no, Rod, absolutely the truth. I mean, I mean, my mom would always say to me, why can't you just be a good Baptist? You know, they, they, my friends, I mean, all of them, I witnessed to them. Not a one of them uh, received me. 
So, yeah, no, I believed it with all my heart. But here's another thing, Rod, that I find very, very interesting, a subtle dynamic. And that is, is that when I initially gave my heart to, to, to God as a long-haired, dope-smoking hippie, I didn't ex- embrace William Branham. I accepted Jesus Christ. It was like the Holy Spirit, aside from, despite the dysfunctionalities of the message and the mis- misgivings of Brother Branham and his teachings, the Holy Spirit was still gently leading me to the cross. Then as I became older, I intellectually began to receive the message, and I blended Jesus Christ and William Branham together like everybody does. I'm amazed at how many people in the message will not admit that, but they do. And in reality, a lot of people in the message have uh, gave, did give initially their heart to Jesus and are saved, but are confused about the new birth because of Brother Branham's false teachings on the new birth. And, and, and again, people in the message have a hard time with this. I never did, but I think a lot of people, in effect, and, and they wouldn't admit this, I think most of them, take William Branham's words, the message, mm-hmm. and effectively exalt it, not just on par with the Bible, but ultimately above the Bible, because you can't disagree with Revelation 10.7. You can't disagree with Malachi 4.5.6. How can you disagree with the messenger to the seventh church age? So because you can't disagree with them, where he is actually in disagreement with the scripture, scriptures, you have to, as every well, I was constantly told, take those scriptures and put them on the shelf, which is the worst thing you can do with the Bible. Right. Actually take passages of scripture that are plain and put them on the shelf, which effectively means you've just put William Branham's message in words above. You've exalted them above the Bible. Oh my, yes. In fact, you know, another thing I found out is, is that Everybody in the message assumes that they have so many revelational truths. I mean, you heard that, you know, all these mysteries that were revealed and all the revelation that was revealed. But in reality, most most message people do not know their Bible. And I was I could say that I could include myself in that category concerning sanctification, justification and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't until when I came out that I thoroughly looked at uh, how Brother Ram hijacked basic salvation and began to realize the message people are Bible illiterate. They're not Bible literate and uh, they're illiterate and they do not know the Bibles because they have a very narrow view of Jesus Christ at a very narrow. In other words, they don't believe the blood of Jesus Christ ultimately sanctifies them so that they can receive the Holy Ghost. They believe they have to somehow through the inner working of the Holy Ghost get rid of lust or get rid of smoking or get rid of, and that maybe a year from now or six months from now, they can receive the Holy Ghost. You know, uh, Brother Bram's uh, favorite quote was to take the box car and a train, fill it full of stuff, and then you seal it. And so, but he said, not until it, not until the stuff that's unnecessary is emptied out, can it be filled? And then it's sealed for its destination. But his his uh, way of explaining that is is that it would take a a prophet, a, a sharp, two-edged sword, rugged preacher to come out of the wilderness and shape a bride. And it sounds so right, and it's one, it's all Branham centric. It's not Christ centric whatsoever. Well, that's one of the things that I have come to realize about justification. I mean, we would get really excited about. And there was even a song. I never did it in the first place, right? I'm justified. Right. I didn't do it in the first place. But that's 
That's only a 50% understanding what justification really is. Justification doesn't just get me out of the hole up on a level ground. It actually takes me all the way to heaven. It does. It basically, I stand clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I am not my own. And, and when I stand before God and say, okay, uh, you have to let me into heaven. He's, well, why? Give me your resume. I can stand and give him the resume of Jesus Christ. Yes. Not things that I've done, but this is what Jesus Christ did for me. And the other thing that I came to realize is that on my worst day, Jesus Christ doesn't love me any less. There's yeah. nothing that I can do. There's nothing that I can do to make me, to make God love me more. And there's nothing I can do to make God love me less. His love for me is unconditional. It is. And because of that, I love him. Because of that, I want to serve him. Yeah. But it's not because of a bunch of rules and regulations. No, no. In fact, I was considered uh, the worldly pastor among my message peers, even when I was in the message, because when women would come to me and say, is it wrong to wear a little bit of makeup? I would say, no. I had a sister come to me and she said, did you know sister so-and-so wears makeup? I said, really? Yes. Yeah. But you have to be careful. She wears it in such a way that you could hardly tell. I said, you know, sister, that's the way you're supposed to wear it. And so I was, you know, it was just like comical. And then the, uh, I remember hearing uh, like, did you know sister so-and-so trims the dead? ends off of her hair. I said, well, show me in the Bible where that's wrong. Well, Brother Ram said uncut hair. I said, no, show me in the Bible where that's wrong. Well, don't you know that if, if you know, you let them cut off an inch, maybe God would not consider that long. And, uh, you know, Brother Ram said, don't put any scissors to it. But he also said, you know, I don't have any scripture for that. So um, everybody wanted you, the legal, they say that, in other words, what you just said about being saved entirely by grace and justified all the way to heaven they would also agree with you. But I had a sister. She went to the altar. I should, I should say she came up to me the service after the altar call. Everybody else was at the altar. She comes up to me and she says, I didn't come to the altar. I said, I know, but that's OK. She says, well, the reason I didn't come to the altar is because I gave my heart to Jesus at my seat. I said, that's wonderful. I want to be baptized. But the reason I didn't come to the, to, to, the, to the altar is because next week, everybody will expect me to be in a dress. And I said, um, yeah, you know, there's too much of that. You're right. And if I don't have a revelation of dresses yet, they're probably going to say that I didn't really give my heart to God. And I said, no, they'll say you haven't got the Holy Ghost yet. Yeah, yeah. She says, well, do you believe that? And I said, well, no, actually, I, the Bible says very clearly that once you commit your life to Jesus Christ in repentance, that you receive the Holy Ghost right then. She says, how come we don't teach that? I said, well, I said, I am trying to teach that. But I said, I don't have a lot of uh, message quotes for that. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I found myself stuttering. And, 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 you know, it's unfortunate. But Brother Bram, compl- what Brother Bram does is, is he says, you can't get the Holy Ghost without me. Yeah. And people won't admit that. But it's absolutely the truth. So, Jeff, coming out of the message has cost you a lot. I know for me... Mm-hmm. It, it cost me all of my closest friends. People 
think that, you know, uh, we did it for reasons, uh, well, I don't know, some people think, tend to think that there's all these ulterior motives when the reason, my reason for coming out of the message was because I saw that it wasn't the truth and all I want yeah. was the truth. All I want is to follow, to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so I, it cost me all of my closest friends. At least I used to think they were my friends. Now I'm, I'm I, I would agree, you know, I'm not so sure. Right. What has it cost you to leave the message? Wow. Wow. I mean, you know, I will have to say it's only been, what, a year, two years, maybe two and a half. But, you know, those emotional feelings to this day, they are still very powerful for me. Very, they linger. I, and I maybe, maybe I'm a little bit more affected that way because I invested in them so much. But I saw them, I had not only did, were they my sheep, but many of them were my dearest friends and confidants. They knew everything about me, warts included, and they loved me and I loved them. And they could tell me anything about themselves. And I saw them no differently than before they told me. And when you have that sort of camaraderie, in other words, you're soldiers in the battlefield, in the trenches. You get a blown up fellow next to you. You're saving his life. He's saving yours. And then you lose all of that. And you're the enemy. And and now uh, and, you know, they, they don't mean to call you. They wouldn't call me the enemy. They would just say that maybe I'm dangerous or disillusioned or I've lost my mind or 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 or. But to say what to, to, the cost was, I lost all my friends. Then, yeah. I, to be honest, uh, you know, I, I lost my finances um, because, you know, most people who leave the message still keep their job. Well, I left the message. I lose my job. Yeah. And so when you when you get a raise, a three percent raise every year for 33 years, you're finally making some money that you can start to save, put away. And then uh, you lose that job. And then you and now I work at a place where I make uh, I, I make 20 percent of what I used to make. Wow. 20 percent. So, you know, people say, well, you have a savings. I don't have a savings anymore. Uh, I, I've had to spend everything to exist, to exist. I I had something embarrassing happen to me just the other day. Uh, I was t asking a woman to pray for me because I was you know, looking for a promotion uh, to go from one store to the other and receive a, a pay increase. And and I said, I, and then I just said casually, I said, because I could sure use it. I got a, a leak in my roof and my dryer's on the fritz. And that's all I said. Well, then she asked me, did I get the job a week later? I said, no, actually, I didn't. Another person who had more experience than I did got the job. Well, she said, I'm sending you a check for the dryer. Do you know how embarrassing, in a sense, that is, how humiliating that is? I used to be the one that gave the money away. I used to be the one that helped the needy, helped the poor, helped the missionary, and now I'm the one. But you know what, too, Rod, I can say? Thank God there was somebody there to help me with my dryer. What else can I say? Yeah, and yeah. I know that God's going to God's gonna provide and things will come around. It's only been two years, and it takes that sort of uh, time to make that adjustment. But I lost my closest friends. Now, I want to say this, too, and maybe you're seeing this happen. Um, after two years, some of them are reevaluating how they let me go. 
So I've received phone calls from different people in the message, people just weeping and saying, I'm so sorry the way we treated you was wrong. Things I said about you was wrong and I want to apologize. And so, again, I think that's 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 commendable. It's a leadership of the Holy Spirit. I had a friend who I used to always uh, we play games together. He got a hold of me the other day and I went up to see him in the hospital. Just the dearest friend of mine. I couldn't ask for a better uh, friend, a just a David and Jonathan relationship. And um, and I, I went to see him up in the hospital. He, he was actually close to death. Well, he's recovering now. And so he called me. We're going to go to lunch. So I am seeing some of that. But going back to your initial question, it not only did it cost me, Rod, in, initially, but here's the ironic thing. Um, I wanted to start a church for those that also were ex-message, so I did. But you know, Rod, here's something extremely interesting, and perhaps you can elaborate on this, because I think you've had a, you've done a better study on this than I have. But I found that when I started this little church to help the people that came out, they looked at me as their former pastor, because most of these people had come out before I came out, saw the errors before I did, and most of them got into Believe the Sign and other other venues that caused them to realize. And so as a result, they come out. And then they, their kids, now these people are 50, 60 years old, but they have teenagers. And you know what happens is the teenagers see me as their former pastor and it creates a stigma. And they wonder if somehow I will regress back to old message ways and they can't come. They say, Jeff, I love you, but it's like going to a failed business and, and it says it's under new management. It's hard for me to believe it's under new management because I still see you. So I was radioactive on both sides, both in the message circles and in even trying to help and start a new church with, with the teenagers. It's taken a couple of years for those teenagers to finally say, okay, I get it now. So yeah, it just, I could elaborate, but you get the point. I try to encourage people that have come up and I still get, I mean, through the Believe the Sign website, through emails that come to me, I mean, there's still lots of people that are coming out Yeah, and we're going to be interviewing some of those people in future uh, episodes of the podcast. But 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 you're you're very true. I mean, we're considered to be somewhat radioactive, and people don't want to have anything to do with us. I can count on one hand people who've <clears throat> who've contacted me afterwards that were in the message. Wow! But for the most part, we've had a bunch of people who have come out. Yeah. Who then do want to have some contact because nobody that was that's outside of the message can really understand what you went through no. and what your background is. So we have a fellowship as as fellow Christians who've come through a shared experience coming out of the message that, oh. that we don't have with, with a lot of people. So the, the cost was high, Jeff, but was it worth it? Oh, my. You know, every time I always end uh, my comments concerning having come out with, it was absolutely worth it. You know, you had alluded to this, the being uh, completely justified and saved and God's complete unconditional love for us. And that unconditional love is what I'm feeling and sensing. Brother Branham would talk about unconditional love, but really it was not unconditional because after all, if you did certain things, you just didn't get the Holy Ghost. And uh, I have never been more liberated by the Bible, more free to serve him. And I also sense that if I if I fail, if I make a mistake, I can get up so much faster and and, and move on with so much more strength and, and energy spiritually. It's uh, 
it's 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 just Jesus Christ is now the very center of my life. I appreciated uh, what I saw in the supernatural, the ability for Brother Branham to discern and to call people out, and and that there was a p- aspect of that that really blessed me. But honestly, now that I look back, that's where it stops and that's where it starts because his teachings were not correct. Now there were some teachings that were correct, but they were all they were all hybrid. They were all confused. Uh, he was not a, a Bible student. I mean, frankly, he wasn't a Bible student. He took a lot of his teachings from a guy by the name of Clarence Larkin. He did. He sure did. And even his dispensational, which would have been considered hyper-dispensationalism, um, is not accepted by the masses. There are some that receive some form of dispensationalism, but Brother Ram's view um, was simply wrong. Uh, because if you follow Brother Ram's view of you needed to be under Luther or Wesley, then that's a there's a major flaw there because there were men actually that were doing uh, – Tremendous jobs with sanctification, tremendous jobs uh, with the just are saved by faith. And it wasn't just Martin Luther. Martin Luther was more a political figure than he was a spiritual leader. And uh, to choose him as a messenger, uh, so on and so forth, when there were men that were doing so much more for the gospel. And uh, and in other words, there were people that were paralleling peers, uh, contemporaries that were paralleling these other men that were doing the very thing. And yet we will choose one man and say, you know, that they were the bride for that day when there were other people not even following Luther who were teaching the same things as Luther and they didn't follow Luther at all. So apparently they're not bride for that day. It it doesn't even make sense. Yeah. Well, the other thing, too, is since he said uh, that the doctrine of the Trinity came from the devil to follow the messenger of your age was to to be able to be part of the bride of Christ. Actually, what he said is that some people had to believe what he considered to be doctrines of the devil to be satanic teachings in order to get into the bride. Well, that makes oh, yeah. that makes no sense at all. No, that is uh, that again. It's not scriptural. Jesus did not. He said, if somebody's preaching the truth aside from me, if they're not against us, they're for us. And then Brother Brown comes along and says, no, if somebody's preaching what I something different than I'm preaching, then it's the mark of the beast, or or it's uh, or it's uh, you got to stay away from it. And uh, particularly, I would say the the Trinity uh, doctrine. Now, you know, to be fair, I've heard people who are Trinitarians and maybe they're extremist Trinitarians say that you know if you're not if you don't believe the Trinity, then you're not saved or you're lost. But I but I also hear the modalist teachings, which Brother Brown was a modalist, say that if you believed in the Trinity, then you were an idol worshiper because you believed in three distinct uh, separate deities and gods. Well, a Trinitarian doesn't believe that. It's a straw man argument, Jeff. I know we could go on for a long time. Uh, if you'll agree to come back in the future, we'd love to have yes. you back. I'd love to talk about some doctrinal issues. Love to talk about some some other specific issues with relating to William Branham. We'd love to have you back if you would agree to that. Oh, Rod, it would it'd be an honor. I, I, I Anything uh, that you, I, and your friends, people that you'll have on, I think that will shed some light on uh, on truth, um, pull some of these things off the shelf. You know, you mentioned a moment ago, people coming out. I'm seeing it all the time. I bet you at least one or two a week I get a phone call or 
or message or somebody from overseas or somebody in the States, they're coming out. And so that to me, it, I want to see people find balance in Christ. Absolutely. It's it's about pursuing Christ and being a true follower of Jesus Christ. That's what we want to point people to. Amen. Jeff, thanks for taking the time with myself and with our listeners. I know that many people have wanted to hear the answers to some of the questions that I asked you today. I My desire is that the Lord would richly bless you, Debbie, and your family. And thanks for coming on the podcast with us. Uh, thank you, Rod. It's been a, it's been a true honor. God bless you. God bless you.